joy of Easter in our hearts, let us join our voices together. Let us worship the eternal God, our creator, and the source of life and love. Let us worship Jesus Christ, the risen one, true love made manifest. Let us worship the Holy Spirit, renewing, inspiring, and dwelling among us. To God be all praise, honor, and glory. Alleluia. Amen.
even in this Eastertide season in which we are celebrating the inbreaking of hope and joy and new life into our world. We are also all too aware of the brokenness and imperfection that exists in us and in the world around us. As hard as we may try to follow God, all of us will fall and all of us will fail from time to time. But while we do hold that as true, we hold as well to a greater truth, that our God, who is merciful and gracious, is always ready to forgive us, and that in Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we are a new creation. So in that spirit, let us join together in our unison prayer of confession. God of hope, God of joy, God of life, we come to you as a people hungry for good news. We have been so dead to miracles that we have missed the hope you have promised us. We have preoccupied ourselves with small things and have overlooked the true joy you offer each one of us. We have been so concerned with making a living that we miss the new life you have given to us. Forgive us, gracious God. Open our eyes and our minds to receive your promises and open our hearts and hands to share them freely. We pray this in the name of Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Well, friends, hear these promises from Scripture. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, and our God, who knows us completely, bestows pardon and grace. So friends, let us believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And indeed, in this season, when we give thanks that Christ has torn down all that might separate us from God and one another, we invite you now to turn and to greet all those who are seated around you, sharing the peace of Christ with them. And for anyone who is attending online today, we would love to know of your presence with us. And so I invite you to sign in using the QR code on your screen or the link that you can find below your video so that we may extend a warm welcome to you as well. So friends, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Good morning, everyone, and welcome here to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church on this second Sunday of Easter, as well as our Volunteer Recognition Sunday. It is so wonderful to have you here, and we do hope that you will find a home in our church family, whether this is your first time here or whether you've been attending for decades. We do have a few particular announcements to share with you today, although, as always, we encourage you to look through the closing pages of your bulletin for opportunities around connection and community building, classes, civic engagement, and even a few things that don't begin with C. <laughs> but if you are interested in learning more about that or any of the volunteer opportunities here at Fourth Church, or we'd like to know more about this community. We do hope that you will visit the Connection Corner or the Volunteer Ministry Table during coffee hour today. It's located in Anderson Hall, out those double doors right after this service. 
And we'd also be grateful to anyone here in the sanctuary if you would fill out the pew pads to let us know of your presence with us today and to share those with anyone else who might be seated in your pew. Please know that Fourth Church will be taking part in the Walk for Hunger with Breakthrough, one of our community partners, on Saturday morning, April 29th. And this morning, a representative uh, from Breakthrough will be at coffee hour to talk about the work that that organization is doing in Garfield Park. And a new adult education class entitled Aging and Spirituality begins today at 11.15 upstairs in room 4F, as well as on Zoom. This class will be led by Annette Molesky, the director of the Center for Life and Learning, and H.D. Mitchell, as they explore scripture and spiritual practices that can guide us in living our best lives as we age. And please do know that after worship today, anyone who would like to pray with one of our church's deacons are welcome to a time of prayer immediately following this service, located in Stone Chapel, which you can find just to the right of the pulpit. And finally, in this National Volunteer Month, it is important for us to pause for an appreciation of all of the contributions that volunteers make to our programs and ministries and outreach here at Fourth Church. If you are a volunteer and did not receive a volunteer sticker on your way in today, we do hope that you will ask an usher for one or you can always get one from the volunteer ministry table at coffee hour following the service. We have nearly 1,400 active volunteers in this congregation. I hope we have enough stickers. <laughs> but each one of those volunteers makes an amazing difference in the life of our community, and we sincerely appreciate the gifts of time and talent that they share to the benefit of all. So I will ask if you have volunteer volunteered here at Fourth Church or Chicago Lights within the past year, if you would be willing, I invite you to stand now. <laughs> Wow. So volunteers, we give each one of you thanks for your generous spirit, for your kindness, for all of the time and talent that you have shared with our community, with our city, and with our wider world. Without you, we quite truly could not do the work of the church. Volunteers make possible ministries of service and justice and beauty. And through volunteering, people get connected to one another, get to know each other, and build and strengthen our community. So thank you. Thank you for being the body of Christ, the church, and for being Christ's eyes and ears and hands and feet in this world. Amen to all of you. Thank you so much. And indeed, friends, uh, our ministry minute this morning uh, continues this theme of volunteering and service and will be shared by Phil Gibney on behalf of our church's shower ministry. So welcome, Phil. Good morning, yeah, you can just stand right there, perfect. So Phil, how and why did you and Linda decide to start the shower ministry? Well, it um, really started as kind of a result of um, my volunteer experience with a social service program. Mm -hmm. We're going out on the street and we're talking to people, handing out hygiene items and clothing and food and starting up conversations with people on the street. And there I met Brian. Hmm. Brian was a uh, gentleman that was recently discharged from the hospital. Um, he was not really feeling very well. 
and several days before uh, I met him, he had a um, toileting accident mm -hmm. on the street. And um, he soiled his clothes. Um, he needed to be clean. He needed a shower. There was nothing in this area at all for him to, there was no resource. Mm -hmm. So um, he did the thing that um, he knew he could do best, that was to get on a bus and go to a friend's house, which was several miles away. And um, it was a very, very humiliating experience for him. Mm -hmm. And so with that story that I related to Linda, she said, you know, I think we have some showers in the uh, basement area mm -hmm. of the garage center. And I said, okay, let's take a look at them. We did. We looked at them. They were perfect. They were, um, you know, individualized. They were private, secure, and accessible. And uh, so we thought we could um, probably put together some sort of plan. We talked to a couple of the um, clergy staff. They um, suggested a committee. A surprise. <laughs> Form <laughs> yep. We formed a uh, planning committee, and that resulted in a, uh, a uh, project, a six-month project that right. we uh, Pilot. sent to the mission committee. And uh, we ran the uh, six-month project. The mission committee said, keep moving forward. That's and awesome. uh, that's what we're still doing, moving how, forward. How has this affected your own faith? Well, I, actually, I felt that um, this project, this program, this ministry was actually um, a calling for me. Uh -huh. I, I, very, I took it very personally, and I, I felt that this needed to be done. There were many people on the street asking for showers. We knew that we would not have um, few people. Right. We, we knew we'd have a lot of people uh, signing up for showers. And uh, to this date, we've had over 600 um, men and women use our shower program, and uh, that amounts to about 4,000 showers over the past several years. That's amazing. Well, I, yeah. we are very grateful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No more questions?
Let us pray. Living God, with joy we celebrate the presence of your risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Romans 12, 3 through 13. Listen now for God's word to us. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the, of the, of the saints. Extend the hospitality to, to strangers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, we continue in our sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. We're in the section talking about Jesus Christ, and we come to the line, He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We wouldn't normally leap from Easter Sunday immediately to the ascension of Christ the next week. After all, Jesus walked with his disciples for 40 days after the resurrection and before he ascended. Luke describes it this way. He says, after Jesus' suffering, his death and resurrection, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Before we hear today's scripture, we need to know that while Jesus was staying with the disciples during these 40 days after Easter, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the promise of God. Stay here in the city, he said to them in Luke's gospel, until you have been clothed with power from on high. And now in the book of Acts, 
just before our scripture for today, Jesus tells the disciples that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That will be the day of Pentecost, of course, and that's often considered the birth of the church 50 days after the resurrection. That day the people will receive the Holy Spirit and they're sent out to share the good news of God's love, carrying it beyond former boundaries and borders. In receiving the Holy Spirit, they are clothed with power from on high. Now after Jesus had spoken these words about baptism with the Holy Spirit, we arrive at our scripture reading for today. And we enter the story at verse 6 of chapter 1 in Acts. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Galileans. Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come again the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. And these, all of them, were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. They were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. After they saw Jesus going up in the clouds out of their sight towards heaven, they were encouraged by Jesus' own words, of course, his assurances that they will receive power from the Holy Spirit. By his words, he invites them to trust in his promises of receiving that power. And he commands them to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. But don't do it now, he says. Don't do it yet. Wait, wait to be filled with the Spirit. And they do as Jesus tells them. They return to Jerusalem, they stay in the city, they wait, and they devote themselves to prayer. This is an in-between time, a liminal time. It's a little bit of already and a little bit of not yet. Jesus has already been resurrected. 
He has shown themselves by many convincing proofs. They believed it was him, Jesus, alive, Jesus with them, Jesus continuing to teach and guide them, to give them commandments and offer them visions of the kingdom of God. The world can be different, he taught them. When he healed individuals, he healed whole communities around them, bringing people into wholeness and into relationship with each other. The kingdom of God is like this, where all are welcome, where all are cared for, where justice and mercy and peace reign. There's a little bit of already and a little bit of not yet of that kingdom of God. It's hard to catch that vision. The first thing the disciples ask in today's scripture is, will this be the time when you restore the kingdom? What they're thinking of as the kingdom is not the same thing Jesus is thinking of. In the Gospel of Luke, once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. Or some translations say, the kingdom of God is within you. That's a different kingdom than the one the disciples ask Jesus about before he ascends to be seated in the throne room of God. Where is the kingdom of God when Jesus is taken up in a cloud to heaven? It's still in the same place it was. It's within his disciples. It's among his disciples. And this is some of what they will witness to when they leave Jerusalem and go to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They will testify with their lives. They will serve and love and heal and cross borders to bring the love of God, the kingdom of God, as far as they possibly can. Their witness will be their service. As Pastor Matt mentioned, today is Volunteer Recognition Sunday here at Fourth Church, and we give thanks for the service of all our volunteers. With 1,400 active volunteers, can you believe that? So beautiful. And those names listed in the back of our bulletin of people who have served in the last year. And if we forgot your name, please forgive us. But tell us so we can fix that moving forward. Now, all of our volunteers are not Christian. And we welcome you, all of you. We're grateful for you. We have Jewish neighbors, for example, who volunteer on a regular basis with the Meals Ministry Program. We have non-religious volunteers who find their meaning in other ways and through other stories. On Volunteer Recognition Sunday, we recognize all volunteers, and we celebrate each of you. For those of us who are Christian, our service, our ministry, is an expression of our discipleship. And our discipleship is rooted in our identity as some of the people of God, and specifically the followers of Jesus, or as we sometimes like to say, the followers of God in the way of Jesus. We humans look for meaning 
in many places. As Christians, we look to the stories of our faith and the spiritual practices of Jesus, the practices of his disciples and his apostles, and to the scribes and reciters of our scripture. We look to theologians and interpreters and scholars who devote themselves to the study of scripture and Christian tradition. And we knit ourselves together as the church by all the service that we have offered and all the gifts that are given, all of the ways that we give and serve, all of the ways that we help and lead and dream dreams together. It all comes together in what we call the body of the church. We are the church because we participate in all of these ways. As we heard from the book of Romans today, we all have gifts given to us by the grace of God. They're different gifts and different skills that we first receive and then we offer them. Paul writes in Romans that just as one body has many members with different functions, we too, who are many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another, Paul says. We belong to each other. We belong to God. Receiving gifts and sharing gifts are two sides of the same coin, two aspects of our discipleship. And we have this in common with the early disciples. They were given the task of being witnesses of God's great good news, God's healing, God's abundance, God's wholeness and salvation. But before they could witness to it, they had to experience it. And when I say witness, I don't just mean seeing, witnessing something. A witness testifies to what they have seen, and the testifying is what the witness does. When Jesus tells the disciples, you will be my witnesses, he means not that they will simply say what they saw, but, they, but that they will live the good news, and the good news will be seen in them and through them. They began this witnessing when Jesus walked among them, and he sent them two by two out into the villages in order to heal people and communities. The kingdom of God that Jesus saw in them and the kingdom of God that Jesus saw among them, that kingdom will be seen by the people not only in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and Samaria and everywhere they go to the ends of the earth. Their lives become their testimony. Witnessing, in this sense, is being. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in doing ministry that we forget how we are being while we do it. You may have heard the adage about human beings becoming simply human doings when we forget ourselves in that way. Our ministry then becomes transactional rather than transformational. We give, we do, we complete tasks, but we're just going through the motions. We're not being changed, and we're not being agents of change. When we become human doings, we're not remembering who we are or whose we are. We're not resting in God's love, and so we're not giving God's love either. 
And often we become depleted in this process. We think we are doing what we are doing by our own power. But our power is very limited, and God's power is vast. Jesus embodied God, and his prayerful communion with God empowered him to do his ministry. When Jesus was baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. His prayer was powerful. His prayer changed things. He would often slip away to deserted places to pray. When Jesus chose the 12 disciples, he went to a mountain and spent the entire night in prayer before he selected them. And Jesus taught his disciples to depend on the power of prayer. He reminded them to turn to it again and again. He taught them to pray the Lord's Prayer. He told them parables about prayer, encouraging them to pray always and not lose heart. The early apostles often turned to prayer also. Peter prayed when he healed Tabitha. He prayed when he went to meet Cornelius and had a vision from God about expanding his understanding of who was welcome and included in the community. And the worshiping community fasted and prayed and laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul when they were preparing to be sent by the Holy Spirit to preach in Cyprus. Prayer calls us back into remembrance of God. You will be my witnesses, Jesus said, but don't go out until you're clothed with the Holy Spirit. Waiting for the Holy Spirit power to be given also means preparing ourselves to receive it. There's a story about a woman who was so heavenly focused, she was no earthly good. And there's a Johnny Cash song about it too. But we pray to God with the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In a world that feels like there's a lot more of not yet that kingdom of God, we know that thoughts and prayers are not enough. We need to act. We know that there is a danger that while looking up to heaven, waiting for some heavenly action, we might forget to take our own action. Holy Spirit power is given to us to empower us to testify with our lives. Clothing ourselves in Christ is a spiritual practice to help us manifest the already kingdom of God. This is not focusing on heaven and forgetting about earth. It's not about focusing on the future and forgetting about now. This focus on God's kingdom is bringing a heavenly focus to our earthly life. It's here now. Can we find it? The kingdom of God is among us. Can we extend it? The kingdom of God is within us. Can we feel it? The ascension of Jesus does not mean the absence of Jesus. It's the beginning of the next part of the story, the part where Jesus' disciples become clothed in Christ and carry on being the kingdom. This begins the part of the story where Jesus' disciples practice being forgiven and giving forgiveness, receiving abundance, 
and sharing abundance, receiving love and giving love, being seen and known by the tender glance of Christ, and looking at all those we encounter with those same tender eyes. It is a spiritual practice to be clothed in Christ. It is a spiritual practice to receive the Holy Spirit. And that means we have to practice it. These things do not come without focus and intentionality. When we forget who we are being and start focusing on what we are doing, we need to remind ourselves and each other, you are a beloved child of God. You are clothed with Christ. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are alive with the breath of the God of all creation. Take a breath now and remember that. Imagine the light of God's peace, love, and healing power pouring into your body right now. Go and do, yes. But first, be. And know that Christ is being with you. Do your serving. Do your ministry. Share your generosity. Use your gifts for the good of all people. You are a human being who does great things because God has given you gifts that are perfect for you. So keep practicing. Amen.
say what we believe together using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As we come to our time of prayer, you notice that we do have a white rose in the chancel this morning. Wyone Ford entered God's Church triumphant on April the 7th. We will hold her family in our prayers as they both celebrate her life and grieve her death. Let us join together in prayer. Gracious one, as we just sang, so we trust that the strife is over and the battle has been won. Alleluia's are on our lips again. We feel your Easter presence in our lives as we seek to live as your new creations. Yet we also continue to pray for you to keep fulfilling your promise that you will indeed pour out your spirit power, your holy power onto this congregation, this beautifully ordinary, still broken and partially whole group of disciples. We do our best to be faithful. We have seen that faithfulness on this day as we celebrate the ministries of all who give of their time and energy to volunteer in a whole myriad of ways, people who help the heartbeat of Fourth Church and Chicago Lights to continue to be strong and vibrant, people who continue to invest in their discipleship, who listen for your voice of invitation, continue to prod us forward, filled by your spirit, your holy power, your boundless love. May this congregation continue to be a church so full of your spirit and love, so full of the vision of your expansive household that our community of Chicago takes new notice. And when they ask why, may this congregation keep being a strong witness of your grace, your justice, and your mercy. May this congregation continually raise our collective voice on behalf of all those who are silenced by the powers of this world. May this congregation always be on the lookout for those not sitting at the table, those not welcome to the party, and then may we go and get them and bring them home. May this congregation continue to reach out to one another in times of both celebration and struggle, in those moments when laughter comes easily and when tears flow quickly. Use all of our small acts of faithful witness to continually say no to the powers of death and injustice until the day when your yes echoes around the cosmos. We want to be your spirit-filled, bound-together Easter people, so, oh God, we pray for that promise to be fulfilled in this church's life together. Destroy anything that keeps us from living into who you've called us to be. We pray all these things with the confidence of knowing that you keep your promises and you will answer our prayers. So hear us now as we continue in prayer, praying as our Lord Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All that God has is ours. God holds nothing back in God's desire for us to live as Easter people, so may we also respond with generosity, compassion, and hope. Our morning offering will now be received.
Let us dedicate our offerings together. May the gifts we offer this day, kind God, bring joy to those whose mornings are hopeless, feed those whose noontimes are filled with hunger, and bring peace to those whose nights are surrounded by fears and worries. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. is finished, the service begins. Testify with your lives, your words, your gifts, and your love, and go out into this world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak and help the suffering. Honor all people, love and serve the Lord our God, rejoicing in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And may God bless you and keep you. May God make God's face to shine upon you. May God be gracious to you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>